Father, we thank you, Lord, for just this morning. And again, Lord, I just pray. Lord, I pray that you would just speak to our hearts, Lord. Lord, I pray that you would, uh, Father, just do a work within us, Lord. Lord, I pray and I ask that, uh, Father, may you just move in our lives, Lord, just in a fresh way. Lord, and wherever we're at this morning, Father, if we're uh, just tired, Lord, if we're just distracted, Lord, I pray that you would just, uh, just bring us back into focus, Father. Lord, focus on you and your plan for our lives, Lord, what you're doing, Lord, and the work you've called us to. And in Jesus' name, amen. So in Nehemiah 6, um, Nehemiah, again, Nehemiah was someone that God had called to go back to the land of, the land of Israel to rebuild the walls around Jerusalem. At that time, the walls of Jerusalem had been broken down for about 120 years. Um, and the thing that always blew my mind about that, the thing that always blew my mind about that is here you have Jerusalem. It was destroyed because they had rebelled against God. They had sinned against God and it had been destroyed. The walls had been burnt down, completely decimated. And it took 120 years for it to finally be rebuilt. And the crazy thing is God had to send Nehemiah from thousands of miles away. Nehemiah was a Jew. He was uh, born in captivity and he was raised, uh, he was born in captivity. Um, he ended up becoming the king's cupbearer, uniquely placed by God to be used by God. <laughs> As we know that the Lord gave him favor in so many different things. And Nehemiah goes to Jerusalem God put it in his heart to rebuild the wall. So he goes, he gets there, he has favor from the king. He gathers everyone up. He says, let's go. They start the work. And once they started the work, Satan came, the enemy came, and did everything he could to stop the work of God. And when you look at Nehemiah, it, there's a greater picture and greater symbolism than just a wall being rebuilt. It's a symbolism of our lives being built. The symbolism of how when the enemy um, before we came to Christ our lives um, broken down battling different things and when we come to Christ now we're beginning that process of rebuilding and God begins that process of putting things back together but the thing is is it does take work being a Christian is not easy being a Christian is not um, something where we can do nothing and expect God to do everything I know sometimes it's easy to get that mentality of like, well, I just believe in God. Well, you know, I, I just walk with God. But the truth of the matter is, is Jesus said what? He said, if you abide in me, you're going to bear much fruit. But if you don't abide in me, if you don't abide in me, what's going to happen? You're going to wither up as a branch and be cut off. And it's this picture of really that's the work God desires. What God doesn't desire, God doesn't desire us to do more works. God doesn't desire us to go and to do all of these things and, and by our own works please him. What God desires is God desires that we would be connected with him, that we would abide in him, and that our lives would bear fruit. Nehemiah is here and he's working. And while he's working, God is working as well. And the enemy, <laughs> the enemy was also working as well. And so we're just going to look at a couple things here. One of the things that's important to understand, First Timothy, Paul says what? He says to Timothy, he says, listen, he says, fight the good fight of the faith. Fight the good fight. And there's a lot of great 
things and great causes that we could uh, connect ourselves with. We could go and spend a year <laughs> ministering to the orphans in Africa. We can go and spend a year uh, serving the homeless on the streets of LA or, on the, or, or in the downtown area of Portland. There's all these different causes that we could do. Um, I met a girl recently that works at my work. Tremendous vision to help disabled people um, have more rights. I mean, th those are all great causes and those are all great things. But when you look at the greatest thing and the greatest fight and the greatest undertaking that any single one of us could take, it's the good fight of the faith. You know, and when Paul says fight the good fight, he's not saying that the, the fight, that battle to, to walk with God, that battle to follow God in a world where everything is pushing us against it. He's saying it's not just a good fight, but it's really the greatest fight. It's the greatest of all fights. It's something that goes beyond any other cause. Nothing else uh, reaches that height. It's the greatest cause worth fight, fighting for and worth giving our life to God. It's the greatest undertaking any of us can do, which is to follow God. To follow God in a world that is designed for us not to. To follow God when the enemy is continuing to try and pull us away. And in Nehemiah chapter 6, the wall was almost rebuilt. Nehemiah had almost finished his task. And what did the enemy do? The enemy went over time to try and pull Nehemiah away from the work. See, the enemy did so many different things. When he came, the, the first... Uh, the first thing we see is we see that the people in the area, they weren't excited that Nehemiah was there. They weren't excited that Nehemiah was there seeking the well-being of the children of Israel. They, at one point, they had planned to physically come and attack and stop the work of rebuilding the temple. They were constantly uh, spreading lies about Nehemiah. They were constantly trying to intimidate Nehemiah. But through it all, Nehemiah, he stopped at nothing. Nehemiah continued. He didn't let himself get discouraged. He didn't let himself get pulled away from the work. He continued to build. And now they get to the point where the work is almost completed, where they're approaching the finish line. And it's like the enemy came one last time to try and get Nehemiah away from the work. And see, one of the things the enemy will do is if he can't stop the work, he'll try and pull us away from the work. Now, one of the things I always think about is what Jesus told his disciples. He said, the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. And there is nothing that can stop the church of God. So what does Satan try and do? He tries to take the workers away from the work. And oftentimes, I know for me this last week starting work, it's been a battle. It's been a battle to stay focused on this study. I've been so caught up in trying to, to and I'm just being transparent with you guys, I've been so caught up in trying to work and trying to uh, please my bosses and trying to earn my keep and trying to, to make a name for myself there and, and try and prove that like I really do belong there. That for me, it's like the Bible study has almost been like last thing on my mind. And the Lord convicted me of it. Because while all those things are great, like dude, succeeding in that job would be amazing. But that's not my calling. And beyond that, the greatest calling, beyond just doing ministry, beyond just doing this Bible study and wherever it leads, the greatest calling for my life, man, is the work of building my life on the solid foundation of Christ. The work of ministering to my wife. Building people. And Satan will often try and pull us away from that. You know, so often, you know, we get so busy and there's so many things that can pull us away from our devotional time right it becomes a fight 
We get busy and it's easy to stop going to church. I can't tell you how many people over the years I've seen that have uh, gone to come to the church, have wanted to get plugged in. They're there for a couple weeks. They have a schedule change and you don't see them for a couple years. And when they come back, it's like they, their lives just totally broken. Why? Because they let something pull them away from the work of God that God was doing in their lives. And that's the thing is God is working in our life. Man. He's working in your life. He's working in my life. And when we surrender to Him and when we stay connected with Him, He can continue to work. But man, if we allow things to pull us away from the work that God is doing in our lives, what happens? That work stops. See, the work of God, it isn't dependent on you being plugged into a church. The work of God is dependent on you being plugged into God. And the work that He's doing in your life, that's what it hinges on. And that's what it's centered on. It's centered on you and me being plugged into Christ. Why? Because when we're plugged into Christ, what happens to our lives? They bear fruit. They bear fruit. And God is able to work. And in Nehemiah chapter 6, we see that the enemy, while Nehemiah was building, the enemy was right there. And it's almost that old saying that whenever you rise up to work and to give your life to God and begin to do something for God, the enemy rises up to oppose that work. He wants to stop that work. And now notice what it says. Follow along in me in, with me in Nehemiah chapter 6 verse 1. It says, Now it happened when Samballat, Tobiah, and Geshem the Arab, and the rest of our enemies heard that I had rebuilt the wall, and that there were no breaks left in it, though at the time I had not hung the doors at the gates, that Samballat and Geshem sent to me, saying, Come, let us meet together among the villages in the plain of Ono. But they thought to do me harm. So you see Samballat, Tobiah, and Geshem. These were the enemies that were there from the start. You first see them when Nehemiah comes over. And the Bible says that they were displeased that Nehemiah was there. They were displeased that he was trying to, build, that he was trying to rebuild the wall. And it's interesting because one of the favorite things of the enemy that he will do quite often is he will use people to oppose our lives. He will use people to oppose the work that God is doing in our lives. When you look at their, when you look at these three individuals, it's very interesting because Samballat, his name actually means enemy in secret. How many of us know people like that, right? Over the years. <laughs> On the surface, cool, but underneath there's an ulterior motive, right? Sometimes People, listen, people can cause mega damage in our relationship with God. They can cause mega damage um, to the work of God. The main reason why divisions happen in churches is why? Because of people. People that have an ulterior motive. People that have their own agenda. So you see you see Samballat and then you see Geshem the Arab. His name doesn't mean anything special. <laughs> But Geshub the Arab, he was an enemy. Listen, the, the, the Arab-Israeli conflict goes back to Genesis chapter 22. And same thing now. Arabs, enemies with Israelis now. Listen, back then it was the same thing. You have the enemies of the people of God. And then Tobiah, his name is super interesting because his name means the Lord is good. Think about that. Tobiah's name means the Lord is is good and i couldn't help but notice when you look at tobiah and you see tobiah's life you see that his character didn't match his name and often that can happen that's something that you and i you guys we have to be super careful of especially when you're coming across other believers because not every believer is godly 
Not everyone who names the name of Christ is godly. Listen, Tobiah's name meant what? The Lord is good. Tobiah had a great relationship with the Jews in Jerusalem. They all thought very highly of him. But when you look and you start to see how he acted and how he responded, dude, the problem with Tobiah is that his character, it didn't match his name. Have you ever known someone like that? Maybe you met someone at church and you're like, oh man, this is a good brother. And then you start to notice things. There's like little red flags. And that's one of the biggest things we have to watch out for is people whose character doesn't match their, doesn't match their reputation. And in church, you will find those people all over. You will find people that will come to you and they will use all of the Christian language. They will use every Christianese saying in the blue book. But when you look at their character, you find that their character doesn't always match up with their name. See, Tobiah's character was bad. He had mocked Nehemiah. He had mocked the work. When they first started building, he said, he said, the work sucks so bad that if a fox was on top, the walls would fall down. He had a major bad attitude problem towards Nehemiah and the work. He was involved in a plan to come and physically attack the people of God at Jerusalem and physically stop the work. Another thing you see that Tobiah did is he was he would always send letters intimidating Nehemiah. He spread rumors about Nehemiah. He hired a prophet to deceive Nehemiah and lie to Nehemiah. Those are crooked things. And when you think about that, and then you think of his name means the Lord is good. And here's this guy whose name means the Lord is good. And he's running around doing all these things. His character didn't match his name. And listen, this is something important for each and every one of us. Because the Bible says to walk worthy of the calling in which we were called, Ephesians 4.1. Many times I think what can happen is, is God begins to convict us of things. And listen, Tobiah, he didn't just end up that far out like nothing. And you'll run into people at church and sometimes you can be like, man, that dude is completely crooked. Listen, they don't end up like that overnight. Often what happens is something that can happen to each and every one of us. And it's when we begin to develop a hard heart, when we begin to develop a hardened conscience, when God is trying to convict us. See, one of the things the Bible does is that, one of the things that God does is when we spend time reading, when we spend time with Him, man, He's quick to let us know, right? He's quick to let us know, like, hey, you gotta work on this area. Hey, this area isn't right. Sometimes you'll have people in your life that will tell you, like, hey, like, that's not right. And a lot of times, it's who what? It's the people that know us the best, our spouses, right? Man, just the other day, sometimes Jess will, will go and, you know, behind closed doors, she'll tell me, she'll be like, hey, I can't believe you said that to me. Like, like, dude, you teach the Bible on Sundays. Like, I'm not saying, like, I'm not over there doing crazy stuff. But listen, like, <laughs> there's sometimes where God will use her to call me out. But most of the time, listen, it's just when I open my Bible and when I ask God, God search me. Dude, God has a way of calling us out. God has a way of shining that spotlight in our hearts. And when we ignore that conviction, when God starts speaking to you about an area of your life and we ignore that conviction, what happens? It's like you're searing your conscience, the Bible says. It's like you're searing your conscience. And before you know it, you don't feel that conviction anymore. Before you know it, you end up like Tobiah where it doesn't convict you anymore to go and to spread rumors about someone, where it doesn't convict you anymore to go and to speak badly about someone where it doesn't convict you anymore to do all of the crooked things that he did. 
See, it's a warning for us to make sure that our character always matches the calling in which we were called, which is what? Man, followers of Jesus Christ. Man, our lives need to match that. And God is so gracious with us. And I love that. God is so gracious, right? He's patient. He corrects us sometimes. And he speaks for like months before we finally are like, okay, Lord, I get it. I get it now. I'm going to yield. I'm going to surrender. Man, sometimes it takes time. It takes time. Listen, not everyone who names the name of Christ is godly. And people problems will always be there. You will always have problems with people. And the best thing for us to do is what Nehemiah did here. They were trying to meet with Nehemiah. They said, Nehemiah, why don't you come meet with us? We can come to some kind of agreement. We can work out our problems. We can come together again, right? But Nehemiah knew their character and he knew that their intentions weren't right. Listen, sometimes we can, and I love what Paul says. Paul writes to the Corinthians and he says, listen, he says, if you have someone who's a Christian and they're caught up in sin and they don't want to repent, cut them out for a little bit. Let them go experience the world for a little bit. And when they come back, they're usually broken and they're repentant. There's been a change that's taken place on the inside. And sometimes that's what needs to take place. Sometimes we have to cut people off in our lives. And there's certain people that I love to death back at Golden Springs that I love with all my heart. That if they called me, I would go out of my way to help them. But I won't allow those people to come close into my lives. Why? Because until I see their character change, I have to keep them at arm's distance. And it's the same thing. Sometimes we can be too accepting and too receiving and we can allow people to pull us away from the work of God. And that's what Satan was trying to do. Satan was trying to use these people to pull Nehemiah away from the work of God. He wanted to pull Nehemiah away from the work. And it's the same thing with our lives. The enemy has one goal in mind, and that is to stop the work of God. Notice what Nehemiah did. Nehemiah did something that was so profound, right? He did nothing. <laughs> he didn't go meet with them. He didn't entertain them. He didn't engage with them. He said these beautiful words. He said in verse 3, follow along. And this is the last verse. He says, so I sent messengers to them saying, I am doing a great work so that I cannot come down. Why should the work cease while I leave it and go down to you? He said, what? He said, I'm doing a great work. He said, I'm not going. I'm not going to go meet with you. I'm not going to go entertain with you. Listen, I'm doing a great work and I'm not going to come down. One of the things that I, I think of so much is that the work of God, and God has designed it this way, is that the work of God always relies on the workers of God. Always. When you look at the Bible, you see like how we talked about last week in 1 Corinthians 1, that God, what, He chooses the foolish things. He doesn't settle for the foolish things. He doesn't, uh, <laughs> the foolish things aren't seconds to God. No, God chooses the foolish things. Why? Because He wants to use those things for His glory. And he wants to use us for his glory. And when you look and when you see that, and when you know that, and you think of the story of Esther, and I think of how God spoke to Esther, and he said, hey, or how Mordecai spoke to Esther, he said, Esther, look, God is giving you an opportunity to deliver the children of Israel. And if you don't, just know deliverance will come from somewhere else. God's going to deliver his people, but you and your family are going to perish. 
man, the work of God, to some extent, it falls on the shoulders of the people and of the workers of God. I think of Gideon. God said, Gideon, hey, I am going to use you to deliver the people. God put the fate of the fate of that work and on the shoulders of Gideon. And I think about Nehemiah. Listen, if Nehemiah would have left, would the work have gotten done? Yes, eventually. But man, the testimony and the legacy would have been different. They finished the wall from start to finish at the end of Nehemiah chapter 6 in 52 days. Can you imagine if Nehemiah would have said, you know what, I'm going to go meet with these people. And he goes and meets with them. He gets pulled away. Man, the legacy would have been different. We would have looked back and we would have said, man, Nehemiah got sidetracked. And although the work got completed, although the work got finished, what happened? The legacy was different. Man, at the end of chapter 6, I love what it says because it says this. It says, and it happened. It happened. So the wall was finished on the 25th day of Elu in 52 days. And it happened when all of our enemies heard of it. And all the nations around us saw these things that they were very disheartened for they perceived that this work was done by God. Think about that. Through the legacy that came because Nehemiah stuck to it. Nehemiah didn't stop the work to handle all these other things. No, Nehemiah finished. And what happened? Because Nehemiah finished, we have that legacy and that testimony of what he did. Listen, to a certain extent, the work of God rests on the shoulders of the workers. And listen, it's the same thing with our relationship with God. Man, to a certain extent, the work of God that He wants to do in your life, it depends on us. Man, it depends. Are we willing to seek God? Are we willing to abide in Christ? Are we willing to surrender? Are we willing to deny the flesh? Listen, the works that God desires us to do, they're not all of these works to earn His love. We've already, He's already loves us beyond that. The works that God desires us to do is to abide in Him, to deny our flesh. Man, to reckon that old man dead, those are the things the Bible tells us to do. Man, and when we do those things, we're able to enter into a full life in Christ. God's work is able to continue in our lives. Man, the enemy was trying to pull Nehemiah away from the work. One of the things that will happen a lot of times is when you begin serving God or when you begin to get serious about God, what you find is is that the enemy will often come and he will do everything in his power to try and pull you away. He will do everything he can to undercut that. And sometimes that looks like the way of temptation. And sometimes you're starting going strong with God and all of a sudden it's like this temptation comes out of nowhere. Sometimes it's distraction. Sometimes it's like what Nehemiah He's trying to pull us away from the work. But I love what Nehemiah said as he said this. He said, I am doing a great work so that I cannot come down. Why should the work stop while I leave it and go down to you? In closing, in closing, Nehemiah viewed the work of God. as a great thing. He didn't view the work of God as a side thing. He didn't view the work of God as a backup thing. No, he viewed the work of God as a great thing. 
you know, one of the things I think about is sometimes you'll talk to people and they'll say, yeah, like, I kind of go to church, like, you know, sometimes, like, I kind of, you know, as a little side thing, like, I kind of, you know, go to church, you know, I kind of, you know, I just kind of, you know, on the side, you know, I help out in the kids ministry, like, on the side, and we get in that whole mentality of, like, serving God and knowing God and having a relationship with Him, we kind of think of it as like, it's, it's a side thing, it's like a little thing we do on the side, it's like a hobby, it's kind of something that we do, but really... Paul said what? He said, when Christ, our life appeared. Man, God doesn't want to just be a part of our life. God doesn't want to just be a side thing in our life. He wants to be our whole life, devoted to him. Doesn't mean that we got to be like weirdos in a monastery all locked up like 24. No, 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 no. What it means is that our devotion and our heart is 100% all in on Christ. It means that God is first and short. That God is first and everything else is ordered around him and our relationship with him. He viewed his relationship with God and the work that he was doing for God as a great thing. And when you view your relationship with God as a great thing, it will be the most important thing to you. If you don't, if you view it as just something you do, if you viewing church as just something you do, if you view God as just kind of like, well, you know, I read my Bible and I go to church, but that's it. The rest of the day, he's not in your heart. He's not in your thoughts. He's not in your mind. If you view God as just a side thing, understand this. Understand this. Lesser things will always pull you away. They will always pull you away. Man, I cannot tell you, and, and, I, and I say this, not just shooting from the hip. I say this having seen it over years and years and years. And we were at Golden Springs for 11 years. And over that time, I've seen so many people come and so many people get plugged in and so many people start moving and they were growing. Some of them ended up leaving. One of them, so sad, he started around the same time as me in our Friday night Bible study. We both were serving together. We both would clean restrooms together. And he slowly but surely, he kind of started drifting away. He got busy with work. Ended up going to prison, ended up getting hooked back on drugs, was off and on drugs for a while. And then last year, year last year or the year before, he committed suicide in prison. Those things happen. Why? And Satan will do anything he can to pull us away from the work. Don't let Satan pull you away from the work. Whatever God is doing in your life, man, throughout the week, right? And we all have things throughout the week. Man, the work of God, it doesn't just take place on a Bible study on Sundays. It doesn't just take place when we listen to a Bible study. No, the work of God is 24-7 in our lives, man. It's communion with Him. It's a relationship with Him. And that's where Satan targets, and that's where Satan tries to create a, a kink in the armor. So don't let him. Don't let anything pull you away from the work. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your word, Lord, in this morning. Lord, I pray for each and every one of us, Lord. I pray that you'd be with us, Father, as we go throughout this week, Lord. May we know, Lord, just your peace, Lord, your presence, your assurance in our life. Lord, I pray that you would lead us into a deeper walk with you, Lord. Or may you help us, Father, the areas we struggle with, Lord, the temptations, Father, the, the things that we battle with, Father. The, may you give us a hunger for you, Lord, that would, Lord, just grow and cause us to grow. Lord, help us to yield and surrender to you, Lord, in the things we face. 
and in Jesus' name, amen.